The Arkansas Public Policy Panel is a statewide organization dedicated to achieving social and economic justice while organizing citizens groups around the state, educating and supporting them to be more effective and powerful, and linking them with one another in coalitions and networks. The panel seeks to bring balance to the public policy process in Arkansas. The Folding Chair is a podcast that is accessible and relatable to everyone to engage people around the topic of racial equity in Arkansas, powered by the Arkansas Public Policy Panel. And now, welcome to The Folding Chair, hosted by Osiris Bali. What up, Arkansas and the rest of the world, man? I'm back again, man. Episode two. It's me, the Brody, man. Osiris Bali, racial equity coordinator for the Arkansas Public Policy Panel. Welcome to the Folding Chair Podcast, man. Uh, You know, it all comes from the phrase, man, a quote by Shirley Chisholm, the first black woman to ever run for president. If they don't give you a seat at the table, bring a folding chair. And so right now at the table with me, man, I got two wonderful guests, man, and uh, I'm kind of, uh, you know, I'm, I'm definitely excited to talk about some of the topics that we have that pertain to their expertise. So we got my guy, Lorenzo Lewis, and then we got my homie, Dr. Alexis Davis. And so I'm going to just, you know what I'm saying, we're going to start ladies first, ladies first, you know what I'm saying. Uh, we're going to let Dr. Alexis Davis kind of introduce herself and uh, get y'all more familiar with who she is as a person, her special interest, all of that stuff, and give a little spill on who you are, you know. Hey, everybody. Hey, Arkansas. My name is Dr. Alexis Davis. I am a clinical psychologist right now. I'm assistant professor at an HBCU teaching all black people dope black things. Um, I'm also a founder of Black Jewel, B-B-L-V-K-J-E-W-E-L.com also, podcast, and um, I'm just a, a healer by nature. All right, all right. Well, thank you, Dr. Alexis Davis, and my guy, Lorenzo Lewis. What's up, bro? Yeah, I'm good, I'm good, man. I appreciate you for having me. Um, Lorenzo Lewis, man, um, you know, native here in Little Rock. Um, uh, mental health advocate, uh, founder of the Confess Project, uh, National Mental Health Movement for Young Men of Color, um, obviously rooted in my own experiences of depression and, and trauma, and, and obviously now making this a reality by helping brothers that look like myself. Um, so yeah, yeah, I'm just grateful, man, to to be in this space, um, you know, and, and, and you know, practicing this advocacy work, man, that we know is much needed for communities that need it, you know, really critically, so definitely. Already, already. Well, uh, you know, I just want to ask you my first question, just uh, just to get things started out with. I want to know what got both of y'all involved in this work, and I guess we'll start with you, Lorenzo. What got you involved in this work that you're doing? You're right, you're right, man. Honestly, man, uh, you know, I worked about a decade, man, in behavior health, man, as a um, just a technician, a mental health technician, man, working with, you know, uh, you know, individuals from the age of five to sixty-five, man, and I just took it as a job and just something I did, man, to make ends meet. Uh, realizing that um, a lot of the, the different circumstances that I came across were working in the population is that I had a lot of issues with myself, man. I had to really turn the mirror around and look at myself a few times. Um, in addition to that, man, coming from a family tree of mental illnesses, man, a brother with bipolar, man, substance abuse, um, historical and generational trauma, man, I realized that 
uh, somebody as myself who was truly a part of the professional and, you know, personally could really marry the two, man, and create the work of the Confess Project. So um, I'm just a guy with lived experiences, man, that's an advocate, man, that's really helping brothers to see the best version of themselves, man. Um, so, yeah, that's that's why I'm here, man. I think personally it's really rooted in who I am and, you know, obviously, man, really great to also collaborate with clinicians, you know, that play a, play a role in and what we do as well to, to see the credibility of what we do is, is uh, really going to help folks, man, to, to heal. You know, so. Ooh, I feel good about this right here. It's going to be a good episode right here. All right, uh, Dr. Davis, can you tell us what got you involved in this work? Yeah, so similar to what Lorenzo said, personal experiences, um, childhood experiences of trauma, family experiences of mental health. Both my parents were diagnosed with schizophrenia. So as a child, I think uh, I was doing studies in my mind already. Mm. Um, and when I was six, I said I wanted to be a clinical psychologist. Wow. So um, manifestation got me here mm. and lived experiences got me here and being black got me here. Wow. And mm. um, yeah, and hard work and like you said, lived experiences right. and love for my people. Already, already, already. So, you know what I'm saying? We vibing up in here right now. Hey, y'all, I got this portion of the program we call it the Seven Hitter Quitters. And so these basically just some, uh, you know saying, some good questions. Some Seven Hitter Quitters. Some good questions just to get to know y'all a little bit outside of the work that you do, but just on a little bit more of a personal level. So I got a couple of little, got some things cooked up in this conversation for you. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, I'm going to start off both of y'all. Just pick whenever, whoever want to go first. Uh, who is your favorite musical artist? Man, I say me, man. Um, long term, man, it'll be... Um, man, I'm, I'm still a Pimp C fan, man. Hey. Day, right? <laughs> Shout term, out to man. Pimp C. Yeah, yeah, I'm still a you know, lightest guy, man. So definitely, <laughs> man, Pimp C would be mine. What about you, Doc? Okay, so first of all, let's say this is like... The hardest question to answer. Oh. So I'm not going to answer of all time. I'm going to answer for right now. Cool. <clears throat> cool. So my favorite artist right now is Boogie. Boogie. Boogie from Compton. Not a Boogie with the hoodie. I'm sure with the you talking about him. from Compton. He dropped Everything's for Sale January 25th of last year. And that like changed my whole world. Okay. So um, he literally does therapy through rap. Like, Word? Literally. Wow. So Boogie is like my favorite artist right now. Okay, cool. We got some hip hop heads in the building. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I'll say this right here. Next, uh, name a person who you look up to as a mentor or an icon. Man, honestly, whew, that's all, man. Uh, but I'm gonna have to just be personal, man. Yeah. I gotta be realistic. Like who I, who do I share my space with? <laughs> realistically, man. Uh, man, I think it's just a collective of guys, man, that I've met along my journey of understanding myself and identity, man. You know? Yeah. So, brother, man, um, a brother named Dejan, man, real close, man, is a, a guy, man, um, uh, John Miller, man. He's a Doctor and social work, man. Really close mentors, man. Like I said, these are realistic people that I know. Mm -hmm. uh, I think ultimately, man, you know, look up to you know, um, you know, folks, man. That's that's really that's made a contribution to our communities, man. You know, uh, you know, uh, just think about the work that Doctor King did, right? For mm -hmm. you know, for where we at now, man, and even you know, activists such as yourself, man. But I'm real, I think realistically, man, I'm. I gotta come from a personal place, so that's, yeah. I would say these guys that I, you know, that I deal with daily is who I look up to, man. You know? Already, already. Um, what about you? Again, like Lorenzo. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm gonna say personally too. One, my granny, because um, my granny taught me peace. 
is necessary and protect your peace. Um, and my mentor, Dr. Patricia Griffin, because that's the reason why I am Dr. Alexis Davis. Um, she was the first African-American female to get a um, PhD in clinical psychology from the University of Arkansas, Fayetteville. Say the name so, again. Dr. Patricia Griffin. Okay. And so that was my mentor in undergrad at Philanderson College. And she molded me, trained me, made sure I knew what I needed to know so I can get where I needed to go. Um, and then also Dr. Tanja P. Bell Neesman. When I got to Jackson State, she took me under her wings and mm -hmm. made sure that I was molded there. Um, and just one more, Dr. Kearns Cooper at Jackson State, too. So those are people who have been really pivotal in my life from childhood to mm -hmm. undergrad to getting me here today. Already, already. So uh, next we got a little, you know, a little funny question. What's your favorite meme? <laughs> What's your favorite oh, meme? Meme or gif? We'll try to we'll try to make it easy, man. Man, I think mine would be um. Man, I gotta think about this. Um, <laughs> whoever whoever got one first, then I okay. see. Yeah, I gotta So the one that I'm the the one that just popped in my mind um is the gif where <laughs> the gif where the um black boy has on the drawers and the skates and he's like, oh my, my dude. <laughs> yeah. Dude, yeah, that's always for them smite lurking on your clothes. Right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's like the one that popped in my head. Look, I, I gotta say, mine is mine. I, I know I ain't supposed to be asking this question, but I gotta say, mine is the uh, the, it's above me now guy. Right. You know, when he, when he was like, yes. it's, it's above, above me, me now. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right, right, right. You know what I'm saying? That's my favorite name. Man, I think mine would probably be uh, right? it's been a while, man. It's uh, hmm. her name is Donna. She's out of. Texas, man. I remember you remember the um the chick that got arrested. Oh, uh, Donna Godot? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah uh, I'm barely barely. Oh, barely. barely. <laughs> POP, hold it down. Hold it down. Hold it down. That's a classic. Oh, that's definitely that a classic, classic, man. You know what I'm saying? I know see, I know her whole name. You know what I'm saying? Donna Godot. Yeah, already, already. Okay, so my next hitter quit it, man. Uh finish this phrase. I don't like when. It's personal. <laughs> I don't like when. I know. Oh, we got quiet in the room. Yeah. Yeah, that's some reflection. I, I don't like when. Is, is there anything that y'all don't like to see, or you know, what I'm saying, uh, 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 that goes on in the in the world that you just it just kind of frustrates you a little bit yeah so we both hit it to say yeah i would say mine i just don't like you know honestly man um that people who just can't stay in their place man you know uh, and it's better easier to say it man it's always uh boundaries man you know just gotta you know stay in your lane man and mm -hmm. ride your lane and you know but i think it's a we get a lot of people man that just like to slide across yeah multiple things man when you you know so i think that's that's how that's really a pet peeve of mine honestly but i think ultimately it's a it, it just it causes a lot of disruption man you know yeah. folks just don't focus on what they got going so you know got you got you stay in your lane yeah yeah that, that's a, <laughs> what about you i would have to say i don't like fragility Mm -hmm. Especially when it's on the part of um, people who have been deemed in these parts of the world as the majority in quotations. Yeah. So I don't like fragility. Oh, really? Okay. So we got seven here to quitters. Hey, yo, we got about three more. 
So, uh, I would just say, if you could describe Arkansas in one word, I know it's kind of hard because it's a lot, <laughs> but like one word to describe Arkansas for you, mm. and it could be whatever. Restoration. Restoration. Got it, got it, got it. Man, I would... Man, you know, it's like somebody who grew up... Man, somebody who grew up here, man, from childhood to now. Yeah. But also have seen the world and mm -hmm. still live here, but able to come back and kind of unpack that and look at Arkansas from a different lens, man. I just... I, I would like to think for for some reason, man, another... um. It's, to me, it's, I would say evolving, you know, because and I'm, I'm speaking only from a personal component because mm -hmm. somebody who's a neighborhood dude who was a part of, you know, gang culture, but also was able to work in corporate America to get yeah. to this place. I could, I got to speak about what that looked like for me, but also what I've been able to create off of that, right? Like, yeah. So I think a lot of people can speak from that, you know, it's somewhat evolving, you know what I'm saying? So no, restoration and evolving. All right, so we got another little fun question. We're almost done. Um, do you have some favorite lyrics to a song or poem that just pop in your mind? Is like something that just really inspires you? Some favorite lyrics from a song or a poem? Or we'll even say this right here. You got a favorite song or a poem that you just... It just motivates you to make you feel good, you know. So I know you a Pimp C fan, yeah, yeah, so yeah. you know what I'm saying. Oh, uh, really? I about to say, I don't know what the yeah, Pimp yeah, gonna yeah. say, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> One of my favorite songs, "The Purge Come First. Yeah, you know yeah, what I'm yeah. saying. Um, <laughs> that's a good one. Um, Caught you off guard with that one. I know. We could pause it. Already, that's twelve fifty-six, twelve fifty-two. By the way. We in here, so what's what's the uh, what's your favorite favorite lyric line? You have one. Okay, so right now, um, the the one that I'm using like is like motivation is uh, Doctor Dot off of Earth Gang's uh, Meditate, Earth and I'm Gang. going to uh, paraphrase some of these uh, lyrics because okay. of some of the language. Okay. People lost faith and quit on me. I just tuck them in the back of my memory. One monkey don't stop, no show. My people got goals and responsibilities, so you know by any means, really mean any and everything to the team. Nothing off limits, people. Ain't going to keep clean. Me and my people, them people that should never let go free. Already, okay. I like Earth Gang. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's like the that's like the new outcast, you know what I'm saying? Fuse with Goody Mob. Yeah. A fuse I feel with like they like a fuse. Already, all right. United up in here. Red Zone, man. man I would say one from um middle child from J. Cole, man. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's a classic, it's a classic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, you know, there was part of that we said I'm all in my bag, this is hard as it gets. I don't snore a powder, I might take a sip, I might hit the blunt, but I'm liable to trip. I ain't popping no pill, but it, but you do as you wish. I roll with some friends, I love them to death. I got a few meals, but, but not all of them rich. What good is the bread if my homies is broke? What good is the first class if my homies can't sit? Mm -hmm. I think that's uh -huh. that's power. With this. I mean, that's, you know, yeah, that's... Yeah. That's really, yeah, that's, that's a, J. Cole always, you know, come up with some real lyrics to make you reflect on life, man. I'm not, you know what I'm saying? Like, good choices, good choices. I got one more question for y'all, and you know what I'm saying? Uh, this, just uh, just random, you know what I'm saying? I, I, like, I, I got this phrase that I've been saying all last few years, your skin, your story. So, you know what I'm saying? Just the experience of being black and uh, us 
being comfortable in the skin we in and, and knowing sometimes that uh, that makes other people uncomfortable and sometimes it makes people comfortable. And so, I mean, do y'all have like any moment that y'all would like to share where you, you know what I'm saying, you would, you just realize you were black or, you know, you felt the moment where you were proud to be black. I mean, you know what I'm saying, you just was really feeling like the, uh, the the full uh, the fullness of of your blackness I'll say that you know what I'm saying so any experience I will have to say yeah <laughs> the day that I walked across the stage oh. and received my doctor the yeah. day I walked across the stage let me the day I walked across the stage with a sash that says Black Lives Matter mm. and I stood on that stage and held up my fist to say power to my people. Oh, really? And then I was hooded by a black clinical psychologist who was a female mm. and walked off the stage. Oh. <laughs> I think that was the that's, most that's... proudest moment I could ever have to right now. <laughs> Ooh, powerful moment. Powerful yeah, moment. Wow, 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 wow. Any moment, man. Any moment. Does it need to be good? <laughs> no, I mean, we, 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 got, we got to share all of our experiences. Oh, oh. Well, I'm going to be honest, man. I, I think just being real frank, before, probably three years ago, before I started doing this work, particularly with, with black men, man, um, I don't think I realized uh, the real issue with race and gender more than I've ever figured out now. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially when you start to talk about you know our counterparts that surround us and we, you know, you're talking about in a space where you're trying to really see that emotional healing is, is being, you know, pushed forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think really, I really understood more deeply, like, man, they, you know, the, the real emotion behind being black in America is, is mm-hmm. I don't think before then, I think I was really, like, mm-hmm. like ignorant to that fact, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Which, which, which I think for, for now, I'm really glad that I understood, like, just the, um, just how much they're really going to that. So, yeah. yeah. I think that's a lot to unpack in itself. Yeah. But, yeah, just when you really start to be very direct about who you are and how you're showing up against, you know, really people that that may, I guess, kind of come with their own emotions that don't, they don't look like us, right? It's, yeah. It really kind of... <laughs> you really start to... You wake up pretty quick if you ain't, man. So it, oh, um, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah oh, yeah, so, man. I mean, when you... And you wake up real quick, especially if you're the only one in the room, too. Yeah, exactly. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Hey, man, I, I think both of us, I think all of us, yeah. <laughs> all of us have experienced that. Me, you, yeah. uh, everybody, yeah. you know what I'm saying, experienced that yeah. moment of being the only person in the room and then having the weight and responsibility to represent your entire race. Wow. At the same time. In the midst of an oppressive situation. Right. In the midst right. of an oppressive situation. Come on now. Uh, you ain't got to preach that loud. <laughs> but, okay, so we're going to dive into this, man. Uh, and I just got, got a couple of questions for y'all. And I know y'all will have some very interesting opinions about this. So I'll start with this right here. What is it, Why is it important for communities of color to implement mental health care as the norm to destroy the negative stigma associated with treatment? And I just, you know what I'm saying, uh... I'll let y'all, you know, gobble on that how y'all do, man, you know. You go right down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, of course. Oh, man. That's, first of all, that's a great question. Yeah. Um, I think, and, and when I when I first read the questions, when you sent them to us, yeah. when, I, when I looked at that, the first thing that came to my mind was we must realize that we've been healing ourselves for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And I think what happens with, like, how media portrays 
how black people should heal or people mm. of color should heal. It leaves out the factor that we've been healing ourselves for a very mm-hmm. long time. Yeah. And yes, we do need assistance. And yes, we do need therapy. And yes, we do need treatment. And we've also been healing ourselves for a very long time. Mm-hmm. So don't forget that aspect of it. Yeah. Either we've taken some very um, unsavory mm-hmm. um, situations mm-hmm. and have turned them into... Um, magic, like, yeah. and that, that's just what it has been. Like, we've done that for what four hundred years yeah. um, in this space and place, and we're going to continue to do that. Like, we are healers. Mm-hmm. We, we we originated this healing thing. Psychology Come is on, us. Now. So, like, I think to take us out of the equation like that is to continue to oppress us and to continue to keep us in a space where we are mentally ill. Mm-hmm. Good, good, good yes. jewels right there. Dropping some real jewels. Uh, Lorenzo, man, why, why you feel it's important for us to implement mental health care as the norm in our communities, man, as, as black people, man? And, and then destroying, like I say, that negative stigma associated with it because, you know, oftentimes we are, we're, you know, we're told, like, don't seek assistance, don't seek help. You know what I'm saying? Even sometimes, you know what I'm saying? Traditionally, and folks be like, we're going to pray it away. Okay. And, uh, you know, you can't... What they, what, what's, what, what's that What's that phrase? Faith without, faith without actions? Faith without works? Okay, now, so so what do you what do you feel, man? Why do you feel it's important, man? Uh, man, a lot of what, you know, what uh, she just said, man, I think it's just, uh, we deserve, you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? We deserve to feel that good, man. I'm going to just kind of take that into context, man, on my own healing journey of going to therapy after being so much longer going through all this trauma, right, and, like, realizing, like, damn, I deserve to feel, you know what I'm saying, ecstatic as well, man, and really be on the journey of healing. So I think personally, man, and even broadly, like, it's just, um, it's truly important, as you said, man, we, you know, we are healers, man, but don't, don't forget that, but also understanding that, you know, there are, that is, um, it's power in actually taking those steps and getting that work done through working with, you know, a clinician or, you know, some type of treatment and support. Um, I think far as like destroying the stigma, man, I think it's just, um, once we become more aware, man, and educated on what, um, what that, what the stigma really look like and like how to mm-hmm. reduce that and like, you know, truly eliminate it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you become powerful, man. Cause it's really, it's a lot of, it's just, just you know what I'm saying, like the, the adequate education and knowledge, man, mm-hmm. that really help you to, to steamroll man, and and to you being able to even help others, man, with you know, mm-hmm. um, destroying that same narrative as well. So yeah. And uh, I think uh, Go ahead. Go ahead. And I think it also takes like conversations like these, right? Mm-hmm. Like for us to have realistic, <sighs> honest conversations that can be streamed to people on a po- on a podcast. Yeah. So then people could think about mental health in a way as as a norm, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, the Safe Place app is an app for black mental wellness. And so, downloading that app... Say, say, say the name of that app again. The, the Safe Place app, and it was developed by a um, black woman, Jasmine Pierre, yeah. from New Orleans, Louisiana. Oh, Shout right. out, Jasmine Pierre. Nice. Um, the Safe Place app, that's a black mental wellness app, and it has black mental health statistics. It has black mental health assessment questions resources it's a dope app um so utilizing things like that and creating things like that it takes fubu healing for us by us okay. healing because we can't go outside of us to get healing because we've been oppressed outside of us already so a lot of a lot of good jewels getting dropped up in here man 
uh, Safe Place app. Definitely, yeah, that's probably yeah, definitely uh, yeah, yeah. put that in your notes and uh, my people uh, take advantage of what's out there for you. Okay, so uh, I mean, you know, y'all got so much great uh, information for everybody. I just want y'all to kind of delve a little bit more on what y'all personally contribute to mental health awareness. And I, I think we can start uh, with you, Lorenzo. Can you tell us more about what is the Confess Project doing? What are you, or what are you uh, putting together in, in your movement? Right. And uh, just give people a little bit more about your personal experience as far as like with this, the Confess Project gotcha. and have you been? I, I see a lot of things right, about yeah. you traveling. You going into the barber shops, right, right. all of that, man. Just tell them more about your personal contributions. Gotcha, gotcha, I think um, my personal contribution, man. Like I said, we are a you know, organizing and capacity building organization, man. We're we're rooted in training, man, and, and being able to shape leaders that are already on the ground, man, with understanding cultural practices and strategies, man, that'll help, you know, the population of young men of color to thrive and have a quality of life. Mm-hmm. We're doing one part of that by training barbers to become advocates, not training them to be experts, but understanding that advocacy, you know, active listening stigma reduction, like also how to um how to how to how do they engage in a non judgmental factor mm-hmm. that'll help their clients from becoming more vulnerable, right? Mm-hmm. Which that truly helps fuel the pipeline and increases access. Mm-hmm. So like when you give a regular neighborhood dude such as a barber that power mm-hmm. and somebody that social capital that him and his brother may share, it's gonna increase access. Now mm-hmm. you know on a long term spectrum. So that's in a nutshell what we've been doing with barbers. You know, we also do some stuff with educators around ACEs and trauma-informed trainers as well because mm-hmm. we realize that, you know, trauma and ACEs is a big component of, you know, how, you know, over time, like it can decrease, um, you know, lifetime, life expectancy, mm-hmm. more um, susceptible to disease. So when you went through abuse, mm-hmm. you know, if you got extensive whoopings as a kid, if you had a parent that was incarcerated, I was born in a prison person and my mother mm-hmm. was incarcerated. Mm-hmm. So you think about these things long-term, my trajectory I went through a lot of these different issues of, you know, what I've actually got to now, or, you know, and actually overcoming. So, um, but that's what, you know, the work of the Confess Project is Mm -hmm. really doing. So I think it's, you know, giving that that platform to you. Yeah, most definitely, man. And I I got a great appreciation for that, man, because we know traditionally in our our community, man, we know the beauty salon and the (laughs) barbershop. It's where a lot of talking get done, and you hear a lot of colorful commentary, a lot of opinions, a lot of uh, a lot of debate, and uh, you know what I'm saying a lot of love and a lot of entrepreneurial spirit. Uh, and so, like that's a great place to start. Like you say, giving that empowering that uh, that barber to be an advocate, man. That that's like you know that's killing two birds with one stone right there, man. Then you don't get a fresh line. When you walk up out of there, confidence sky high, feeling real good. You know what I'm saying? That's what's up. Uh, Dr. Alexis Davis, man, what what, what have you been personally uh, contributing to, you know what I'm saying, mental health awareness and healing? Okay. First, let me say what you're doing. is super dope. No, I appreciate um, And it's a sister who's a clinical psychologist who published a study last year, okay. psychotherapy. So mm. what you're doing, oh, it's being dope. studied. Wow, wow, you see what wow, I'm saying? Wow, and people wow, are doing wow, in wow, research on this. So you doing the, the groundwork mm, for what yeah, research yeah, is doing. Yeah, so that's yeah. beautiful. No, I appreciate it's it. It's just yeah, dope how the ancestors have us full circle mm, doing this work. So I just want to acknowledge no, 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 that no, no, first no, no, before no, I even get into yeah, it. You know what I'm saying? Because that's dope. And I think that's wonderful. And we need that. Um, so I'm a clinical psychologist. Um, I'm a Reiki healer. 
I do energy work. So I work with people to heal. Um, I'm also an assistant professor because it's really important for me to be a ladder. I didn't get this doctorate for me. I got it for my people. Mm-hmm. So I need to become a ladder for more of my people to be doctors, um, for more of my people to be healers as well. So I'm assistant professor at Philander Smith College. Okay. Shout out. Um, private HBCU. Um, <laughs> for real, I'm a graduate of Philander. So I do that. And then Black Jewel is um, kind of like my grassroots, right? So I just wanted to be able to show um, people from where I'm from, Kansas City, Missouri, that there's no certain way that you have to look once you make it, in quotations, to wherever you your goal is, right? So um, I like to say that Black Jewel is like the Wu-Tang of mental health. Oh, so it's, really? a, it's a collective of people who are just dedicated and committed to uplifting the consciousness of black people mm. so um those are the things that i do to really further propel um the movement of mental health among marginalized communities wow i told him this, this is gonna be a real good episode right here and it feels so good having this conversation you know what i'm saying therapeutic if i can add that you know what i'm saying hey and so uh one thing i like you know what i'm saying we talking about um we talking about this as black people, you know what I'm saying? Uh, we're not, we not shying away from the fact that we black. We, we proud of this. I love my blackness. I hope you love yours. Okay. But, uh, you know what I'm saying? You know, we all got to deal with ourselves at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And uh, we all got to, you know what I'm saying, try to help our communities out the best way we can. So uh, that leads me to my next question. You know what I'm saying? Uh, can you all share with share with the listeners how do we break the circles of fear in the black community around uh, depression, suicide, emotional suppression? How do we approach that, and and how do we approach that issue from a racial equity lens? Is because a lot of times people, uh, like I said, it's a racial equity aspect to all the different issues in our community, and so they have to be addressed and approached from a culturally proper way because, you know what I'm saying, we, we some magnificent and magical people. You can't just come at us the way that you come at everybody else. And I think that's why y'all both are very effective in what y'all do because I think y'all make people feel very comfortable and y'all very relatable in your experiences. And uh, people want to share with you all and, and want to build with you all and work with you all. So. What are some ways that we can break the, the circles of fear around those like issues like depression and suicide and suppression? And how do we think about that from a racial equity lens where we are uh, we notice that with mental health treatment and awareness, there, there are a lot of racial inequities that are constantly uh, being thrown out there. One being, you know, prison. A lot of our brothers are getting locked up in prison when they should be going to get some type of treatment. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can say they're trying to rehabilitate people in prison like they like, like you want to, but we all know that like prison is not a a, a clinic. Prison is not a, a, a not therapist a office. Not practice at all. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? I don't, I don't hear nobody saying like, Man, I need to get my right, my mind right. I, 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 think I, I think it's time for me to commit a crime and go to prison. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So like... Uh, so how do we approach it from a racial equity lens when we're talking about breaking those circles of fear? How did you go there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, okay, so 
Well, that's a stack question. Yeah, it's a stack <laughs> question, so I'm gonna start on the back end and Go then ahead. work my way around that thing. I'm gonna come back to Um So racial equity, right? I think first to understand equity. So um, when I was at KU, somebody said this to me. This Kansas quote, University. Yeah. Okay. Um, and someone said this to me. They said. Equality is like everybody getting a pair of shoes. Mm-hmm. Equity is everybody getting a pair of shoes that fit. Mm-hmm. That's a big difference. Mm-hmm. So when we're talking about racial equity within mental health care, we're saying that we don't just want to have access to mm-hmm. mental health care mm-hmm. as black people. Mm-hmm. We want to have access to mental health care that fits. Mm-hmm. So that means mm-hmm. culturally relevant care. So that means you also have to provide more assistance for people like us to become doctors to heal us mm-hmm. or else we won't be able to heal. That's what we're saying. We need not a seat at the table. We need our own table mm-hmm. so that we can become healers for ourselves. Um, it looks like us being honest about where we are. Like I'm a healer who has a healer and that's just period. Um, because we all have things that we need to deal with. We all have trauma that we have to face. You're talking about ACEs, right? Adverse childhood experiences. We all experienced those. The day we came out the womb black, we had an ACE. So I'm saying like we have to deal with that and be honest about the fact of us being black in America is trauma. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's enough for us to want to go and have some therapy. Mm-hmm. And no, not every black person has a traumatic experience, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm just saying every black person can benefit from some therapy. Yeah, I definitely agree with you wholeheartedly. Uh, Renzo, you want to elaborate on anything? Yeah, man. I, I think, man, from a just a, a macro component, man, is just, um, man, I'm trying to figure out really how I can... I think from a macro component, man, is how do we break the circles of fear in the black community with regards from a racial equity lens? It's just, um, like you're saying, man, like uh, <laughs> we are very, uh, so they talk about historical trauma is mm-hmm. so in-depth in regards of, um, it's, it's unseen like any other trauma that, that exists, you know, but just based on, you know, like you said, four, you know, all these years of, you know, Broken, stolen, mistreated, mm-hmm. no, you know, and really never being able to get an opportunity to really heal. And then you talking about generation after generation. Um, again, like we're a very unique bunch, and I think again that goes back to like the work that, that we do in general with men. Mm-hmm. Um, really have to be very specific in why. So I get this question a lot: uh, Why you don't do it for black, white men, or Asian men? Mm-hmm. I'm just like, well, man, like, you know, because do you do you understand the unique experiences that black men bring to this space? Mm-hmm. And then you have to start talking about incarceration and poverty and, mm-hmm. you know, unemployment with black, you know what I mean? So now we're really unpacking that and then you have to talk about that from a racial, a racial, a racial justice component, man. So I think that's where, like, really that, you know, that's, that's where we're really digging deep into, man, because it's so, this is not just a niche thing. This thing is really, it's, you know, it's uh, something you really got to pull from multiple ends. Mm-hmm. Uh, because of, like I said, you know, the unique um, lens that black men and, and black women, you know, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, share, man, you know. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I definitely, uh, I think that in itself, man, realizing that, you know, we, we still got a lot of work to do, man, but just yeah. you know, knowing that, that that's, that's important as well. Yeah. Got you. And can I say black men, black women, and black non-binary people yeah, who don't even sure. um, <laughs> go along the spectrum because it's, 
that's that's also important, right? To mm. correct some things as far as to ha- make sure every black person has a seat at the table mm-hmm. and not that we're creating nooks and crannies for right, certain right, black right, people. Right, I think right. that's also a way in which we can um, erase some of that fear. It's yeah. us just being unapologetically accepting of all of us mm-hmm. and just yeah, realizing right. that um, once we can do that, mm-hmm. then we can start being real with individually ourselves. Yeah. Definitely, definitely, man. I mean, the conversation always seems to shift when we talk to, uh, you know what I'm saying, us as black people, like, you know what I'm saying, trying to help each other and trying to heal together. But, you know what I'm saying, we always have to remember that diversity and inclusion is very important and because uh, each black person has a unique experience. Right. And, uh, you know what I'm saying, uh, historically, you know what I'm saying, there have been times where, you know, even like, you know, we, we celebrate and we love to talk about Martin Luther King Jr., which we should, but, you know, behind the scenes, he had a brother, uh, Byron Rustin, who, could, because of his lifestyle, couldn't be out there in the front. But he was very instrumental in the March on Washington and behind the scenes of civil rights. But when he lived an alternative lifestyle uh, back then, it was like almost scared to put him out there. So imagine being somebody that is empowering probably one of the most important civil rights leaders, but not even being able to be, you know, uh, open about his lifestyle, but being instrumental in the movement, right. and I think that even man, just <laughs> I appreciate you for honoring that. Just because I'm thinking, I'm looking at this post, man, that, that somebody put up about there are black people who are gay, trans women living with disabilities, poor and more. Unless you're rooting for all of them, hmm. you're, are, you are truly rooting for black people. <laughs> black yeah. history, but know all unless it's in front of black lives matter. All black lives. Yeah, matter. yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> exactly. So like being specific and like, okay, we're gonna support this. You know, so again, that you know, that that's that's yeah. It's very important, man. It's very important to include everybody, man. I love my blacks and I love yours. So do your thing, man. You know what I'm saying. Man, I, I wanted to, you, you know, saying I wanted to. Um, you were saying something. You were talking about uh, black, the black male perspective, and looking at it through a, a unique lens because you know, as a black man, there's a uh, there's a certain there's a certain way you can approach a situation and analyze it way better than somebody from uh, that's not from our culture. You know what I'm saying? And so, like uh, recently, you know, earlier this year. You know, uh, Kobe Bryant passed away, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, iconic in the culture as far as like a, a athlete, and you know, basketball and sports. You know, always been uh, something that uh, you know my people always excelled in and uh, had a love and affinity for. So, uh, but it, not not to we're not turning turning this into a Kobe Bryant conversation. Mm-hmm. What I noticed, what I took away the biggest from his death was watching his former teammates, his former opponents, uh, his friends, black men in general, finally realizing at this point when it's after this unexpected death, they tweeting, hey man, I, I want to apologize to you. I don't know what deep it is. I love you. Right. Uh, Shaq breaking down to you. He was like, man, I... I, I wish I had told him I loved him. Uh, right. t- uh, told him I told people I loved him more. I, you know, they hug them, hugging their children and like saying like, and so like for black men, I feel like you know what I'm saying. A lot of times, man, you don't hear another black man say I love you. Mm. You go a long time. A lot of times, you don't <clears throat> say I love you to your to your uncle, your father, your grandfather, your your homie until he in a casket. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying. Yeah. 
And so, like, just the importance, man, I, I, I work with a lot of young black males, and, I mean, I realize a lot of times, like, you know, my, my catchphrase, people try to be funny with it, I say, big bro, love you. You know what I'm saying? But I, but, but I, you know, and it's funny to me because, like, but I said to the youth, I started saying it to the youth, I'd be like, man, you know, you know, big bro, love you, don't you? You know, I love you, don't you? And they, you know, they talk to me, and we get off the phone now after years of doing this with them. Hey, oh, man, I love you, man. I'm like, I love you too, man. I love you too, little bro. And so, like, just the, just the importance of hearing those things. Do y'all have, do y'all have an opinion on that? Because I feel like it was just very telling to me, like, black men in their 30s and 40s for the first time ever, like, really just taking the time and just publicly express, like, I, I love you. But it takes a lot of, it takes, like, a traumatic event, an unexpected event a lot of times for, for us to say that. So how important do y'all feel it is to just tell our youth, in particular our, our youth, but also just as adults expressing that to our, our friends and because a lot of times you don't know how often they get that hug. You don't know how often they hear I love you. You don't know how often they feel loved. You know what I'm saying? And so just the importance of like as a community, you talk about active listening and uh, just being active in your community as, a, as an adult or a parent or anything and just showing, you know what I'm saying, love and patience for people, man. Y'all have any uh, opinions on, on on that in particular? Uh, man, I think that's really important, man. Um, particularly speaking about the youth, man. Um, yeah. But I'm I'm gonna scale it back. We talk about men. I always say, man, the the thing with men, man, we we've, we've lived in emotional incarceration for so long, mm-hmm. man. Just because of how we, you know, what I mean, like because we we raised in emotional incarceration, man. Just of mm-hmm. uh, you know not being able to be empathetic, man. Not being able to show emotion man you know um and, and like i said just uh the this the societal like culturally man just with uh i you know I, the way our masculine energy man we we've been able we've used that as a way to not really love one another man mm-hmm. and, that's, and that's really oh, created yeah. some barriers <laughs> that's now created some barriers where now you know kobe dies and you got a chaotic of men across the country that's like i love you but it's like but again, I think again that in itself, man, we come from a you know, um, you know our, our you know our peoples, man, and our neighborhoods and our families. We've been uh, we've been hurt so much where we've also not been able to you know digress and really unpack when we've been hurt and telling somebody mm. I apologize for you hurt, you know, and really, yeah. <laughs> really, really yeah. diving deep. You know, one thing I even tell like our barbers, like man, you have to be really careful when you know you start to. Um, when you're telling somebody you know how you feel about them, man, really make sure that you, you know, um, giving them just justice, man, about, mm-hmm. you know, positive justice, man, go a long way just because, you know, culturally, man, we just, we've been, you know, even as a kid, man, you know, you're a young brother, man, you get beat up, you know, mm-hmm. you, 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 you told to go back, whoop them, and then mm-hmm. if, if you can, choke them out too. So it's like, you know, it has to go to an extreme, but yeah. it's also no kind of love is being able to be shown in that. So you grow up, man, you hurting women, children, you know, you, you're going to be a little bit more. So I think that, that in itself, man, it's that, that, but to our youth, man, our young people, like we really got to, you know, really be able to embrace that, man, because, yeah. Like I said, we're really, you know, we, we're raising a generation of, of people, man, that, you know, young young brothers and sisters, man, that's going um, to need to um, reciprocate that amongst their peers as well. So Yeah. yeah. Uh, and a quick shout out. We're going we gonna to get this feedback from you. Quick shout out to the Arkansas Youth Coalition for Social Change. Man, we need to have a conversation with these youth and have y'all back. 
and when we have our youth meetings, because we've been doing a lot of work around social justice and civic engagement and uh, legislative priorities, but we need to have a conversation where they need to talk about healing in a safe space amongst their peers where they feel comfortable enough to open up, like you said, be vulnerable and actually, you know what I'm saying, take that opportunity to help heal each other. Right. You know what I'm saying? Because they got that power too. Uh, Dr. Davis, uh, what are your opinions on it all? That's like, first of all, that's so crazy that you asked this question because um, when 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 I got the news that Kobe Bryant had passed away, I just literally like laid in my bed and just started reflecting to the moment that Nipsey Hussle passed away. Mm -hmm. And um, so at that time I was at a university and I was running a um, hip hop group for a uh, mental health group actually for um black students at a predominantly white institution mm -hmm. and so nipsey passed and in the middle of this group we like breaking down lyrics and you know using this to heal ourselves and i'm teaching them how to use hip-hop to actually heal right mm -hmm. um and so then nipsey passes and i i literally see the whole energy shift mm -hmm. and i literally see the impact of our black male idols on our black boys. Mm -hmm. And and it, it shook me to my core because it's like, for, for many reasons, right? Because one, I don't think that we understand and give honor and reverence mm -hmm. to the black male role models in any capacity, right? Whether they rappers, actors, singers, dancers, basketball players, whatever they doing, right? Like golf players, whatever. Like mm -hmm. honor them because... They do so much for our black boys. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm thinking back to a, a lecture when I was in undergrad. Judge Wendell Griffin, he basically broke down what the, like the developmental difference between black boys and black girls. And he was talking about like boys are groomed just to win. Mm -hmm. Girls are groomed to describe, to play with dolls, to say, oh, this looks so nice. This feels good. This plays look this. And so that's a big difference. Mm -hmm. And so when we come to talking about emotions, and I love the term emotional incarceration, yeah. um, that's really important for us to honor the process that our black boys have to go through when they lose their idols, right? Mm -hmm. Because that's so detrimental. And then, like, if they don't know how to heal, how to cope, and this has been the person who has been helping them heal and cope, mm -hmm. that leaves them in a very traumatic space. Mm -hmm. And we must address that. That's important. So, like, this question, like, I just want to tell every black boy, I'm saying this specifically to black boys, and when I say black boys, I'm speaking to the black men who have black boys within you. I'm speaking to all of you. <laughs> if you need to go get some healing from this, Please go to therapy. Mm -hmm. Like that—that's important. Yeah. Like, please do that for yourself. Do that for your family. Do that for the people around you. Because as you lose people, you will start losing yourself if you don't mm -hmm. know how to heal yourself. Mm -hmm. yeah. And anybody else that's impacted by this, go get that healing too. Yeah. Oh, y'all done said a whole mouthful. This little program. Woo woo. Okay now. <laughs> All right. So hey. We trying to get ready. We didn't cooked up a great combo. <laughs> we didn't cooked up a hell of a conversation, and you know what I'm saying we gotta, uh, you know, what I'm saying once we cook up a conversation like this, man, it, it, it's time we we digest. We're gonna take some time to digest it, but we gotta get to that point where we start thinking about unplugging that microwave. So already there it is. The timer goes off once again. Once again, <laughs> so lovely, but we got to get up on out of here. So, you know what I'm saying? Just one final question I got for y'all. 
and um, we'll you know keep it moving. You know what I'm saying? We'll keep it moving on. <clears throat> this portion of the show we, we call it unplug the microwave because we want to start thinking about getting it out of that microwave society of thinking where we're looking for short-term solutions that may or may not happen and start thinking about going down the road you know what i'm saying so we unplugging the microwave we're talking about long-term wise and so answering the question uh you know when we addressing self-care tips self-assessment treatment destigmatizing the conversation about mental health what do y'all feel we can do uh, long-term wise to help make sure that we are actually following the steps needed to take some progression in a, to be in a, a great mental space over the, like, like I say, 5, 10, 15 years. What are some things that we could do as a community or what are some things that y'all plan to do? We can answer it both ways. Well, man, I think ultimately, man, again, it's it's gonna be a um a systems change, right? Mm-hmm. Look at you know systems changing, man. Policy, you know, I like know folks that we're putting into uh mm-hmm. into capacity, man. That's gonna you know pass laws and that's yeah. gonna create you know like the systemic barriers, man. Will have to you know truly be um um uh, you know really dealt with you know long term. I think the other part of that is is. Uh, like she said earlier, man, these podcasts, this awareness and mm-hmm. education in itself, mm-hmm. um, you know, like when that You Good Man came out uh, from Kid Cudi mm-hmm. a while ago, but then that kind of dimmed out and then, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, it got to keep going. I mean, obviously, yeah. you know, it ain't all about just talking about mental health every day, mm-hmm. but you got to be realistic and like that culture has to be, like we're going to need more of me, we're going to need more of, you know, you know, doctors and you, you're going you're gonna to need people and particularly black, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> advocates and doctors. To, to be on the front lines, man, and to not only inspire, man, but that's going to build the next generation, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's people, you know, young, young people really looking up to us and, mm-hmm. um, and, and seeing that that is long term going to build, really truly build a culture, man, that we want to see, you know, and see how people live and thrive in. So I think that's, the, you know, probably much more to say, but, you yeah. know, it's just nah. really, you know, I think in itself, man, um, we just we want to see you know that's that you know that shift man. So, yeah, and I and I I, I mean I, I just this conversation so good so I got to keep on adding a little tidbit. <laughs> but you spoke upon it, man. We we got to have some people create new policies. Yeah, yeah, right. We got to have legislators up there. I know in Arkansas in particular, man. You know we got we got of course we got our circuit courts and all that type of stuff. But we we starting to have more drug courts for people that are uh, don't necessarily need incarceration, but uh, don't. Uh, have issues that they have to address, or addictions and things of that nature. So more drug courts for people to, to show compassion to them, and then we but we don't we don't have a lot of mental health courts in Arkansas, mm-hmm. and so we start thinking about legislation where we're talking about juvenile diversion programs. Yeah, 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 we need to start talking about uh, you know what I'm saying mental health courts that uh, promote treatment over incarceration, mm-hmm. and so like that's some stuff we could be talking to our <laughs> legislators about. Um, I believe both of y'all be great advocates for that, but I, I digress. Uh, uh, Doctor Alexis, what's, what, what you feel, man? What you feel? I think um, keep digitizing pipelines to brick and mortar, right? So mm. keep having these types of conversations. Word. Things like, the, like I said, the safe place, uh, www.therapyforblackgirls.com. Uh, so hold on, say that one more time. www.therapyforblackgirls.com. Um, blackzen.co. Um, th- these are all black-owned healing yeah, yeah, yeah. C- 
places and companies, right? The Confess Project, Black Jewel, BBLVK Jewel, um, <laughs> you know, th these types of things that can push people to brick and mortar spaces mm. of healing to go actually go to a healer, right? Because we all about trend and culture if we're going to be real. Mm -hmm. So we got to make this a trend in order for people to continue to heal. So mm -hmm. like just continue this trend of healing and make it a lifestyle. Already. Yeah, that's that's it. <laughs> yeah, we done, we done talked about it all, yeah, man. Yeah, Mental, man. physical, spiritual, mm -hmm. all of this. Hey, final thoughts and announcements. Do y'all have anything going on? This podcast is, you know, it's the March podcast. And so uh, any announcements and, or, or any final thoughts that you would just like to share before we hear the Friday? It's been a great, great episode. Like uh, anything that y'all want to share? I think honestly, man, just meet Dr. Lexus, man. And, you know, really just um, it's always good to, to, to meet folks in this space, especially locally at home. You know what I'm saying? Like traveling across the country, I'm obviously meet tons of folks that. You know, I may not even see it again or may mm -hmm. see it on social media. So it's just a blessing to know it's somebody here at the crib that's, you know, really that's really. on the same wave. So I'm glad you brought us together. Oh, you really? know, because we do it our outward work across twelve cities, but we right here in Arkansas where you got, yeah. you know, somebody like, you know, so I'm just I'm grateful to really meet you, you know what I mean, and just um just kinda of take that back, you know, to the folks that's in my space, like, you know, this is we got folks that's really, you know, that's in this with us right here around the corner. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah, other other than that, man, I'm just glad that, you know, we're going to keep doing what we're doing, man. And uh, just you know, hopefully saying that, hey, we'll stay in the fight, man. So. Already. Alexis, what's good with you? I just want to say, I'm grateful <laughs> for the ancestors for reaching back and pulling us forward right. to be Already. here in this moment. Oh, like, um, I'm just super grateful for that because I think it takes like some strongness and some courage and some boldness for all of us to be sitting at this table having this conversation. Yeah. So I'm grateful for all of us. I'm grateful for you, Osiris, for creating this platform for us to have this um, this conversation. And um, I just want to say, listen in to the podcast of Black Jewel, yep. BBLVK Jewel. Um, uh, and give out your social media, both of y'all, yeah. please. So BBLVK Jewel on Instagram. Um, as well as just I don't know just just really take this conversation seriously yes um and really take some time to look in the mirror so yes. you can take yourself seriously um and seek the help if that's a difficult process for you mm -hmm. definitely definitely well I want yeah. to make sure I follow. Yeah. Already, look, they yeah, yeah, yeah. phones over here now. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Definitely want to keep up with a movie, but I, yeah, obviously, uh, you know, social media wise, Instagram, Facebook, um, the Confess Project, man. Make sure to you know to follow our work, um, and we'll, we'll be doing a um uh, a national tour this um we'll be doing a national tour this uh, May through October. We'll be going to sixteen cities. Okay. Um, we, uh, partnering with Gillette um, and, and doing some work with um, enhancing our barber movement across you know multiple mm -hmm. cities. So yeah, just really grateful that we're gonna be able to reach more men and um, you know, hey man, just keep this thing going. So already, already, well, the Confess Project, Black Jewel, we appreciate y'all here, Dr. Alexis Davis from Black Jewel. Psychologist. Hey, Lorenzo Lewis from the Confess Project. Already. My, my final thoughts is this right here. I'm going to tell you, like, man, the great philosopher, a few weeks back, he, he spoke on it, and I got the, I'm, I'm not, I'm going to paraphrase it kind of too, but, man, the, uh, the African, you know what I'm saying, brother, Marshawn Lynch, he had some advice 
for the young players in the league, and I think y'all really need to take them serious because he know how to reach the people. He said, y'all need to take care of y'all chicken, meaning money. He said, take care of your bodies and take care of your mental. Hey man, we um, and and we could we could go to a whole other topic over there just with the NFL and all of that stuff. But I, when somebody say that and he speak and that's what all he want to say in the press conference, damn it, I think he meant it. You know what I'm saying? So take care of your mentors, everybody, man. This is the Folding Chair Podcast, powered by the Arkansas Public Policy Panel. I'm your host, the Brody Osiris Bali. I appreciate our guests again, Dr. Alexis Davis and Lorenzo Lewis. Go follow them on social media. Follow Arkansas Public Policy Panel and the Folded Chair Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We out here, all right? Peace. Thank you for listening to the Folding Chair Podcast, powered by the Arkansas Public Policy Panel. For more information on the Arkansas Public Policy Panel, Find us on Facebook, Arkansas Public Policy Panel, and follow us for more updates on the podcast and the work of the Arkansas Public Policy Panel.